1: What's
3: up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay. Tim's over there. This is Tim's flu game, all right? You guys know about Jordan's flu game. This is Tim's flu game. So we appreciate you hopping on. I tried I tried to tell him, I don't know, half a dozen times, go back to bed. He ain't going to do it. So, Tim, how are we holding up, man?
0: I'm holding up, man. I'm fighting it off. A little, a little bit of flu running through the the hold, That's okay. Um, it happens. Tis can't the season get anyone right sick on, on on camera, so don't worry if I sneeze or something. You guys are
3: okay. <laughs> like I said, man, you need to kill the camera, kill the camera. I'll do the same thing. I ain't even sick, but you never know what's going on over here, man. If that door pops open right there, you're going to see two dinosaurs run through here, those German shepherds. I'll tell you, Lincoln was. Hey, we slept in a bed about half the size of our normal bed last night. And Lincoln is just man, he 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 takes up the whole bed. And yeah, people are gonna put him in a kennel Like, Nah, man, we can't do that. Can't do that. (laughs) I'm a dog person, man. They do what they want. And uh they only go in the kennel
0: when they gotta go see the vet.
3: (laughs) What is this? All right, Omer said that Jake has COVID. He's been in rough shape, posted on Twitter the other day. You talking about Jake Shavink, Omer? I didn't know that. Did you know that, Tim? No, I had no idea. Well, crap. We need to oh, reach out to Jake then, make sure he's all right. So, uh, it is, man. It gets, it gets a little wonky this time of time of the year. Yeah. Jen, I agree. Jen said kennels are evil. They are. Um, they're necessary evil sometimes. Yeah. It is Jake Shavink. All right, man. Um, it is, uh, it's a necessary evil, but same time, man. I don't think I'm ever going to look back and be like, I wish I would have kenneled them more. I'll probably look back and go, man, I, I should have kept them out of there a little bit more. Right. So, you know how that goes. Paul Robertson in the chat said, uh, who do you think you are? I am. I think I think we'll cue that one up early. Who do you think you are? I am. And, of course, I went glitchy there. So, <laughs> the system is struggling this morning, Tim. I think you gave, gave the computer system a virus, man. That's what I think happened. I did nothing of the sort. <laughs> At least yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Doug says, that's Joe Barry after today's game. Uh, he's talking to Paul, I'm guessing. So, uh, yeah, let's let's kind of talk about you know final thoughts going into the Vikings game. Of course, we're going to do a pregame show. Tim Tim will probably be off the docket. I'm going to suspend him for at least two shows, two more shows here, so he can rest up. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll give kind of a final look at the uh, during the pregame show. Um, but just wanted to, to touch on. I know the Packers put a, a kind of a cool video out. I was surprised, man. People were dogging this video that they put out, kind of a preview for the Vikings. I thought it was cool personally. Um, so, we'll hit on that. We got a little bit of Dontavian Wicks slash Jaden Reed talk that we'll hit, to. Any questions you guys got in the comments, fire away. But, um, Tim, it, you know, after we've slept on it, going and getting ready for this Vikings game, anything changed in your mind? I know we've seen a fiasco last night in Dallas with Detroit. We, we may hit on that, too, towards the end. It just depends on how the system holds up here. But um how you feeling, man? It's the the, the morning of the biggest game of the season, man, you know, I put a tweet out and actually I'll just I'll read it real quick just to kind of give you guys an idea of where I'm at. I want to get your take, Tim. I said, as a Packers fan controlled show slash podcast, we said it back in June all season long and all season long. This is the youngest team in the NFL with an unproven quarterback. All season long, we glanced back at the 1993 team who had an unproven quarterback and won nine games. We said we we seen six to ten wins, and the one question answered is Jordan Love a guy? That answer is yes, and we sit at seven wins with two weeks to go. If you had told me we were going to be playing for a playoff spot in week seventeen slash eighteen, I would have said deal. How blessed are we as Packer fans? Now let's see if these men can are ready to take the next step. Um, that pretty much sums it up for me. What do you think, Tim? How you feeling, man? Morning of.
0: I feel great. Um, it's amazing to be at this part with this young team, you know, and, um, we figured out what we needed to, we know Jordan's the guy and, um, which is huge, you know, because those guys know it too, you know, they, they knew what, what type of year this was. So his teammates know, you know, the guys in that, that organization know, you know, it'll be a matter of time before, uh, you know, he gets the bag, so to speak, and signs a big lucrative contract to keep him here for the next 500 years. Like we want him to be. And, uh, you know, that's coming. So, um, I feel good. And yeah, we've got, you know, hey, we got playoff football. This is this is our playoffs. Playoffs started really a week or two ago for us. Um although nobody told us that apparently because <laughs> we didn't perform so hot, but hey, right. we can make everything right tonight in Minnesota. Um defense has got to play well uh, otherwise we're in we're in big trouble. Um I do believe our offense is going to answer the bell and put up the points that we need, but the question is is this defense going to show up? and show out um, looking forward to watching my boys Val and Val go out there and give it their all. Hopefully we get some good uh, safety play. Um, I, I hope Rudy Ford sees the field. I keep saying that like you do every, every week, um, yeah. but we'll see, man. I'm feeling pretty good. I, I I'm with you. I still feel like it's going to be, you know, it might reek of the the smell that that Dallas game had last night of just fire. Fire all all night long, and it's a close game. So, you know, I don't know what margin of victory it's going to be, but I feel like the pack's going to get it done. It, it might be a nail-biter again. But, uh, hey, we'll, we'll take an Anders Carlson game-winning field goal uh, for the <laughs> second week in a row. I don't care. A win's a win.
3: Yeah. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. it, it whatever you got to do to create momentum going into next year, to me, that should be top priority. It really should. Um, you know, I know many people are, are looking at it different and that's okay, man. Every, everybody can fan how they want to fan. Um, I, to me, it's just, it's all about what questions can you get answered? This offense looks like it's set up for the future. You know, you, you kind of hit on it there, Tim, we've got a contract coming up, right? Jordan Love is going to be, that's going to be something we got to take care of, but he's under contract next year. You know, many people look at that and go, okay, well, we're good now. You got to get that new one done. You got to, but with that being said, um, you Goody prepared for this moment, and and really, when you look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. There was points in this season where we were going. That's probably a stupid decision if you if you're mortgaging everything on Jordan Love. But that one year extension, Goody had at least enough faith in 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 the quarterback, and and that's why I think also he was giving Matt Lafleur kind of a, a, a little bit of a leash this year. Like, hey, okay, you know, it's going to be a down year. And it was kind of the same thing with Jordan. Hey, look, we're going to give you one more year of security because we know what, what shape the team is in right now. And there's going to be a little bit of a process. So, you know, we've been very vocal on this show. We don't agree with everything that that uh, that Brian Good all the decisions he's made, right? But you've got to give credit where credit's due, man. And there's been many things that have fallen into place. This offense being so young is just absolutely phenomenal. Like it, the fact that the receiver room is so cheap, the fact that – that Jordan Love is still so cheap, and you got him under contract for one more year, which gives you a lot of flexibility to be able to extend him to a multi-multi-year deal if he finishes strong. It would take an absolute collapse this year for me to not be convinced, okay, I want to re-sign him in May. And to the best of my knowledge, you have to wait at least one year after you've signed someone to an extension to sign him to another one. So I think May is is around the period, the time frame, that the Packers could extend him long-term. And if you take into consideration, like we said, how low his cap number is comparatively speaking across the league and then being able to tack on years, let's say at a minimum, a four-year deal, who knows? It may be seven years. He may, he may go to them like, Hey, look, I don't need my home's money, but give me my home security. And, uh, and let's, let's make this thing a wrap. That could be the case too. Right. Um, I, a a small percentage of of me is sitting in the background going, okay, he could still not pan out. That's happened before, right? Guys have had a, a great year, a very good to great year, and then, you know, it kind of fell apart. It's just we're so used to it in Green Bay. It seems like when you get one, you've got one, you know?
0: Absolutely. And the fact that they have put weapons around him, um, you know, that's another thing. I think, uh, you know, you, how, how you judge a quarterback it also depends on, you know, who are you giving him to throw the ball to Who is blocking for him um you look at our offense you know we've talked about this we're like i don't know like two to four pieces away from really having that you know madden level 99 type of offense here um in the future and uh, i'm excited about it um to me it's you know the defense is something we've got to get shored up and um you know, get, get back over the hump, man. It's crazy how this defense carried us early in the year and kept us in these games. And, uh, now we're begging them to come back and and get us back to that, that level of play. And you know what though, I've got a feeling it's going to happen tonight and, uh, you get it done out there on the road in Minnesota. Um, all signs point to a, to a good old fashioned boat race, uh, in week 18 at Lambeau field against the bears. (laughs) So let's, uh, go pack. Go. Um, Again, emphasis on the on the defense, man. I see our offense being able to move the ball um, against this Minnesota know. defense and convert, so it's got to be up to our D to just get those stops, get off the field on third down. You know, please, no no more third and 15 conversions. You know, so that, tough, it just boggles my yeah. mind that, you, you know, you'll third and 15, and we gave up 16. It's like, wow, we've
3: got we
0: we to shut that down.
3: Throughout the year, you've seen it when they played zone right, because people have been very vocal about it. We play play too conservative, too soft, right? And then the game against the Giants, you know, we talked about it on Chalk Talk. They were talking about whether they're playing too far off because one play, Carrington Valentine, didn't get the call, right? And then the 32-yarder, obviously, Keyshawn Nixon, was playing catch man. Really mirror match press man was what he was trying to play, essentially. So that wasn't the case there. Then last week, you know, you've got a two-score lead, seven minutes left in the game. You come out and you blitz six and you get burnt because Jair's choosing to play 10 yards off the ball. I know we've talked about it at nauseam, but I was listening to the post game show last night for the Lions fans. It was hilarious. I saw that. Absolute mel- Did you see the clip I tweeted? Yeah. Absolute yeah. meltdown. Yeah. And, and what's hilarious is they were calling in this one guy, the host of one of the post game shows. He says, what in the world are we doing on defense? It's third and forever. And we're blitzing. And I went, oh boy. The Packer fans. <laughs> Packer fans are complaining because we're playing too conservative. The Lions fans are complaining because they're playing too aggressive. It just goes to show you there's an answer for both questions, right? Like whatever, whatever defense, defensive style you're putting out there, whether you're being conservative or aggressive, there's always an answer to the equation. Every single play has an answer to the equation. The question is, can the offense get to it? And how difficult can the defense, the defenders make it for them to get to it? That's the big thing. But Jen right in here says Clayton's poetry this morning. Yeah. If you think I'm a poet, here, here's me. Here's my poetry. I tried this one chilling that set my mouth on fire and I had to drink a tail later of Mountain Day. <laughs> That's what I sound like. You right might have more
0: country accent than you there, Clayton. That I was bad. You met yeah. your match.
3: You've got different different styles of, of country accents. Like you get to Texas. Texas has got to be one of the coolest accents there is, right? It's just it's it just reeks of confidence, right? Tennessee has a different accent than Kentucky. Mine's a Kentucky accent, and and basically what it is for those of you who actually care, you probably don't. You're going to shut up, Clayton, and move on to the next thing. It's it's bad enough we got to hear you talk, but essentially Irish settlers, which you know, my last name's Bailey, so we're Scottish Irish. Um, they settled in the Appalachian mountains and that Irish accent turned into that Appalachian accent. So that's, I've got that Appalachian accent, if you will. Um, that dude though, he had the, uh, his was a lot, a lot deeper. Now you can get to some of that Southern accent down there in, uh, uh, in the French quarters, right? When you get into Louisiana, or yeah. as they say, Louisiana.
1: New
3: yeah. New Orleans, um, that's a, that's a different type of what some would consider a country accent too. But yeah, that dude right there, he was uh he was 110% cornbread. That's what he was speaking It's
0: amazing there. how different just, just by state or region um, it, it truly can be because, you know, that's different than, you know, a Savannah, Georgia drawl, southern draw, a little bit different based on where you're at down there. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you got guys like me that, you know, the good old Scotty, Scotty accent. And, <laughs> you know what's funny is, like, Isn't that cool how we do that? We're like, well, you got an accent. And you're like, boy, you got the accent. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think you have an accent. You think I have an accent.
3: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, you're so used to it for sure. And
0: then someone from Boston comes in and says, hey, you don't know nothing about no
3: accent. (laughs) Hey, me and Mandy grew up in the same town. And I'm Mm -hmm. constantly going, girl, your accent's out of control. (laughs) Like, it's so bad. Hers is really bad. When we go back home, too, and just get around people we grew up with. Oh, it... it, I mean, we we go in both feet. By the time we're coming back, I'm having to relearn the English language. It's like, it's so bad. Anyway, let's go to the chat here. Jen Wright says, read Break Sharp's record. Now, I'm going to try something, Tim. I don't know if this will work or not. Um, I'm going to see if I can put – it's supposed to be showing the chat, but it's not doing it, so I don't know what's up with that. That might be why it was kind of a, a little bit of a hiccup just a second ago, too, so I'll just go ahead and hide it. So the chat is not popping up. They probably know that Eric Sutherland's going to wake up soon, and they're worried – gonna throw something up on the screen here on us, but anyway, she says Reed breaks Sharp's record today. Um talking about the rookie record, right? Uh I can't remember it was re- it was receptions, right, Tim? Is that what it I was? I believe it Look, is. It? I
0: think he's yeah. one one to tie, two to break the record.
3: Yeah. So and Jeff, I see your comment on the uh, only one guy can report eligible on the play. We'll get to that here in a little bit. I'm not a rules expert. You know, I put a tweet out last night and was like, man, so they broke two rules on one play and, and come to find out. Well, if the official had, they being the Detroit lions, if the official had, uh, had, uh, accurately handled the person that did report, then it wouldn't have been an illegal formation. Cause I thought it was an illegal formation. Seeing that number 70 reported, we'll talk about it here in a minute. If we have time, um, but uh, as far as Reed breaking Sharp's record, I did want to hit on this real quick. Or he's going to break Sharp's record, uh, according to Jen. There, you know, it's looking pretty good, right? So this right here, I went through and kind of dug up some numbers real quick on Reed and Wicks. And really, I was looking for Reed because you guys know there's a chance that Wicks doesn't play tonight, right? We've talked about that already. So with there being a chance of of Wicks not playing, um, I was kind of wanting to focus on. Okay, well, what about Jaden Reed? You know, how does Jaden Reed's numbers look? Because it looks like he is going to be, um, you know, active tonight. Uh, he pretty much wasn't on the injury report to the best of my knowledge. So I'm going to go ahead and hide that comment there. Um, so I was going through and was like, all right, what what is the passer rating? Essentially the receiving rating, right? The passer rating when this receiver is targeted. And I was looking for Jaden Reed. And so I went and found Jaden Reed. And Jaden Reed's actually, when you when you take it down to, I think it was 50 So I did the uh, minimum targets at 50. So we could sort out, filter out some of the noise, right? And Jaden Reed's got 82. Some would say, well, why didn't you do 80? I didn't want it to be skewed too much in our favor. Obviously, he'd be much higher if we did anyone who's been targeted 80 times, which that is important to put that into perspective. But we can compare those targets across the board here. And and this includes tight ends as well. So if you remove the tight ends here, he would be even higher on this list if it was just wide receivers. But, again, just wanted to kind of get a true a true grab of this. Jaden Reed amongst tight ends, running backs, and wide receivers, okay, and a minimum of 82 targets. Jaden Reed is sitting at 106.4, which is 28th best in the league. If you just remove the tight ends on the screen here above him, that's one, two, three, four, move that tight or that running back five, six, he would be six spots higher. He'd be somewhere around twenty second in receiving rating, right? That's pretty impressive. That that kind of I was like, okay, I knew he was. I knew he was playing good. Now, his thing is his drop percentage is high, right? And if you notice, Dontavian Wicks's is, is kind of high too, compared to the other guys on this screen, other than Jerome Ford, who evidently has bricks for hands. But <laughs> when you when you kind of look at at where they sit here, pretty impressive stuff, man. When you're talking about a receiving ra- rating and you got two rookie. I feel like these are the number one and number two wide receivers on the team. I feel like Dontavian Wick should have an opportunity to be that number one receiver. Again, he may not be active tonight. We'll find out soon enough. But Jaden Reed, one of those guys that when he's healthy, Tim, I mean, this receiving room is very promising. When you talk about Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs from a statistical standpoint, standpoint being your number Two slash three or four wide receiver on the roster, Goody hit a home run, man. But uh, what do you think about those receiver ratings, there, man? I've, I've tried to go full screen here to help you see it, but if you need a number read off to you, just let me know. I mean, they it's it's pretty impressive that they're both in within the top thirty-two, and that includes tight ends and running backs.
0: Yo, know, absolutely. And you know what? Has Jaden Reed do done anything this season that hasn't been impressive? I mean, <laughs> the guy is just it still boggles my mind watching them play because you're, you're expecting to see these rookie, you know, busted routes. And, you know, we saw some of that early, right? You got two guys running the same route and it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, But that, that was shored up very quickly. And uh, yeah, Reed is kind of emerging as one of those, uh, one of those front runners in the receiving room. And I think what makes him so good is the fact that there, I mean, there's no, there's no, Uh, there's not a way out there that you can't utilize him in your offense, whether it's motion slot, split him out on the boundary. You know, he, he can get out and run with you. Um, And I think, you know, the drops him having the higher uh, drop rate, like you said, that's, that's coming with the fact that he's getting so many targets. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not going to catch them all. Um, Same thing with Wicks. Wicks had a few drops. Malik Heath's had a few drops, but you know, a lot of these rookies are, are, uh, Coming full circle here and realizing just how much playing time they they had this year. I think a lot of rookies come into the league and they figure, oh, they'll, they'll pepper me in a little bit and, you know, get get my NFL legs under me. And it's like, here in Green Bay. Everyone's been like, dude, you're starting. Here you go. You're starting. <laughs> you're getting the reps. You're getting the touches. Sink or swim. And, um, you know, we've seen guys like Reed and Wicks uh, definitely swim and swim well. And um, you're right, man. Can you imagine this uh, receiving room at full strength down the stretch? Where you've got Rome and you've got Scoot and you've got you know Do- the Don Wick and you've got uh, Jaden Reed That's and true. you know hey we haven't even parted our lips to talk about Bo Melton yet who uh, was just signed you know and Malik um, Keith and Malik <laughs> Keith I mean absolute <laughs> wow, dogs in this receiver room you know and again like you said Clayton I mean we're getting them at that we're getting them, we're getting them for the Walmart price right now <laughs> this talent. Yeah that we've got. So, um, a lot to be excited about. And then, yeah, we haven't even talked about our tight ends. I mean, you know, this passing attack, I I think once we get that offensive line short up and we figure out our situation at running back moving forward, uh, I think we're, we're on the path for a top five, top 10 defense here in the, in the coming year. So a lot to be excited about.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. Uh, Paul Robertson in the chat said only knock on Jaden Reed is he's had a few drops. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, like someone else pointed out here, if I can find it, I've got a bunch of these marked now. Um, gosh, who was it? I uh, may have lost it. Someone said, yeah, but don't you feel like the essentially they said, don't you feel like the, the drops have kind of calmed down? I do think that I think as the season's gone on. The drops have uh, have kind of settled down. Dontavian Wicks has got a high drop rate too, right? Yeah. But of course, we pointed out team wide across the league. I think the Packers are 16th in drops last you year. Know, those are were- going to
0: happen though, right? I mean, yeah. everyone drops a. What you want is you don't want it happening at the worst time. You know, you get a right. drop on on you know one of these you know second and eights or something early in a game. Right. It's not going to kill you, but if you're not coming up with that catch in crunch time, that's when it's a real issue.
3: And we were very vocal early in the year too about how the uh, you know the the inaccuracy of Jordan early on. Some of those counted as drops too, right? Where it was thrown behind the receiver. You know, yep. like, yeah, I, for the best of my understanding, if it hits the receiver's hands and they don't catch it without a defender touching the ball, that's a drop, I believe. Well, there was many times that the ball was thrown behind them and there was a defender in the vicinity. And I, I don't put that on the receiver. Like you, I mean, if it it's it's on both players. If the ball hits your hands, you need to catch it, right? As a quarterback at the NFL level, you got to be able to put that ball within six inches, a six inch window of where you need to put it. And people say that's absurd. I know the NFL is absurd. <laughs> you know, go back and watch the old Bill Walsh tapes with Joe Montana, him getting on Joe Montana because he said he wanted the he wanted the ball on a certain number on the jersey. Like that's how accurate he wanted the ball. Not just he get it in the catch radius. But, you know, put it put it in a place, an exact location where we need it. Um, that comes knowing following. your
0: play call, too. Right. You know, knowing the play call, and the situation. We've seen a lot of balls that ended up back shoulder that were supposed to be out front um, and vice versa with Jordan. But he's I think once he's got his uh, we talked about the pre snap read, post snap read getting better with him. I think his, mm-hmm. I think that's what why we're seeing a little bit more accuracy and again, getting the ball out in time. And in rhythm too on a lot of these plays. If you don't get the ball out on time, it's going to be behind your guy. And if you get it out too early, it's going to be in front of them. So you're right. There's very little uh, margin of error in this league, man. Especially for a quarterback.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it, every every quarterback that comes in the league has a great arm, and are are good quarterbacks. There are no bad quarterbacks in the league. It's just some. It's still it's it's wild that. Typically, you got about 10 quarterbacks who are, like, considered, okay, these are top quarterbacks in the entire world. It's just amazing to me that you can't find 32 human beings on the face of the earth that are considered, quote-unquote, you know, like, great quarterbacks of all the people that's on this big ball of mud. It's just wild that there's just that few that pan out. And in some cases, it's because they didn't get, you know, maybe the proper opportunity. They wouldn't put in the best position to win, Right. Uh, you know, Russ, the whole Russell Wilson thing, have you kept up with the Russell Wilson topic? Yeah, that's
0: a little little crazy.
3: It's wild, man. I mean, they like, signed
0: that toxic contract, and now they're trying to weasel out of it, and I, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean, essentially, I don't know all the details, but it sounds to me like they put a clause in there where at a certain point at the end of this year, he was due a certain amount of money, and they could cut him and save that money. They're still eating a lot of cap, don't get me wrong, but... It's, it's almost like they, they went to him last week and said, listen, if you don't redo this contract, we're going to bench you.
0: It's an injury clause. They're, they're, they're concerned
1: about him getting injured. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view, Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
3: Yeah, that, and I think they're using it to their advantage, like, hey, look, yep. we're trying to save some money here. Well, a- again, I don't want to be too owner-friendly. I don't want to be too player-friendly on this podcast. I want to kind of bring that balance, right? That's why I love getting Mike Wall's take on it, and, and he chimed in. He seemed to be like, what in the world's going on here? You know, we're so quick to say, shut up. You're getting paid a lot of money. Just play the game. Okay, well, there's injuries come with it. That's the game. We always say those type of comments. I've been as guilty as anyone, but – You know, honor your contract. You're under contract for two more years, right? People say that all the time. Play your contract out. That's an obligation. We got to hold the owners to the same standard too. And to me, that's a bad look on that ownership in Denver. Not that they care. They're ready to move on to the next quarterback, uh, seeing that Russell wouldn't renegotiate, right? Or wouldn't yeah wouldn't rework the deal. It's just uh, it's pretty wild to me that that more fans don't kind of lash out in favor of the players in those situations. And it's why players like, uh, I hate to even mention his name, Deshaun Watson, like, no, I want it fully guaranteed. That's why, right there, right? Yep. Um, to remove that, that whole thing of of them being able to cut bait if they want to, right? Uh, I think in a perfect world, I'm listen. I'm I'm from the old school thought of you get paid for your production, right? That's that's kind of how I see things as a business owner. That's what it is. There isn't no, I don't feel like doing good today, and my boss has still got to pay me. There's none of that. And a a contract
0: is a contract, right?
3: Absolutely. You go out, you perform. If you don't perform, you don't get paid. I love that. That pulls the best out of me. And part of me wants that to be what the NFL should be, right? Like, okay, the players that perform at the highest level, Have it have the majority of the contract geared around wins. I know this will never happen. I know there's people rolling their eyes going, keep dreaming, Clayton, but imagine the competition, how it would raise up, knowing. And I know they get bonuses for playoff games and championships and all that, but imagine the majority of the money being tied to that. Well, you're talking about getting a fierce game and a Mm -hmm. highly, highly competitive game. Uh, But at the same time, I don't blame players. I don't blame players one bit for trying to get as much guaranteed as they can. You know, there's some players, whether we want to admit it or not, that come into the league, and they don't necessarily love the game, right? And I know as fans, it's hard for us to understand that because we grew up playing the game, we grew up loving the game, and it's like you get you get paid a king's ransom to play a kid's sport. But there's some guys that come into the league, and it's like I just want to I just want to get a paycheck four or five years and get out. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, yeah. like. If you've got the body to do it, you got the talent to do it, and that's where your heart's at. Who are we to say no? You're not allowed to go do something else, right? So, uh, I kind of try to see if guys want to keep
0: playing, right? The guys that want to keep playing, we see that too, right? You can't fault them. Look at Joe Flacco, man. I mean, the guys finding a finding a, you know another his ninth or tenth live here at life as a as a quarterback in the NFL, and um, you know, I I got to respect that, right? I think it's the same thing with Brett, right? We had the situation with Brett Favre, you know, all that that New York Jets and him going to the Vikings, that all hinged around the guy just wanted to keep playing ball, man, you know? So it can go the opposite way too. There's every once in a while you get the guys that don't want to let go um, and hang around and play. Phillip Rivers is another guy that comes to mind, you know? Uh, Right. But I think that's uh, kind of a testament to a bygone era, right, Clay? I don't know what the future holds, Um but yeah, I think you're right. In this NFL, man, if you can get three to five seasons under your belt and put a couple of M's in the bank, I'm not <laughs> mad at you. <laughs>
3: yeah, do you think, man? Do you think? But I'm not tuning in on every Sunday to to uh to watch people with big contracts. I'm tuning in because you love the game, right? And that's right. I think it's the the nostalgia for me. A play will happen. I'll go, that reminds me of 1997 when this happened, or that reminds me of 1992 when this happened, or 2006, whatever it may be. Um, uh, Margin Cron in the chat says, Russ on the Vikings. Uh, I think crying emoji is what they did, sad emoji. Kind of hard to see on my small screen I've got here on the road. I'm so mad. Anyway, um, Russ Wilson on the Vikings may be a very real thing, Tim. Um, they're going to be in the market for a quarterback. I don't think they're going to bring back Kirk Cousins. I think that that kind of, that ship is is somewhat sailed. Although we, who knows, they may franchise. I can, they can't franchise him again, right? I don't believe. Um, that dude's been franchise tagged more than anybody in the history of the game, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. But um, Russell Wilson on the Vikings would scare me. You know, um, I think Russ is a good quarterback. I think he's quirky. I think he rubs some teammates the wrong way. You know, you go into a locker room full of all these tough guys that are, playing with all these injuries and you got a guy that wants to get out there and kind of, I don't know, just, uh I can't tell if he's genuine or not. If I can't read someone's mind, you know, I'm not, I'm going to try not to comment on it, but if if you were to force me and say, hey, Clayton, do you, do you think there's a little fakeness to Russ? It kind of feels like that, but who knows? I know this, you put him in there with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and P.J. Hawkinson and uh Kevin O'Connell and what he's kind of patched together this year without, without Kirk Cousins, you got to give credit where credit's due. That would probably worry me a bit. Now, from a Packers standpoint, we've absolutely owned Russell Wilson, it feels like to him. Like, other than the playoff debacle, which I think we would all agree, I wouldn't put that on Russell Wilson won that game. That was more about we gave that game away there, the NFC Championship in Seattle years ago. But, you know, especially at Lambeau Field, it seems like Russ always – uh always struggles when he comes in. But this offseason, these are the conversations we're going to be having right off the bat, Tim. I'm excited yeah. about him. Um, yeah. Let's hope yeah. let goes go somewhere else. As a closet Patriots fan, all right, um, I would like to see if somehow, some way, Belichick does stay in New England, I think it would be kind of cool to see Russell Wilson go to New England, especially being a Packers fan first and foremost. Um, I would want that to happen over the Vikings for sure. What I want the Vikings to do is trade up, spend a ton of draft uh, – uh, a draft capital and take a guy that absolutely stinks for the next four years. That's what I want. You know, just take Chicago Bears approach, essentially is what I'm saying. So there you go. What do you think? Uh where do you think Russell will end up? Do you think he'll end up with the Vikings? How do you think that'll play out, man? he's benched him. He's been benched. <laughs> it's wild.
0: He's benched because the they're like I said, they don't want to pay him. It is what it is. They they don't want to they don't want him getting hurt. He's got the injury clause. I don't know, something in the – I heard $8 million or something like that. I don't know what it is that he'd be owed. Um, so, yeah, they're playing hardball. Um, as far as speculating on where he goes, yeah, I hope uh, he stays the hell out of the NFC <laughs> and out of the NFC North. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I could see that. And New England's going to be looking, um, you know, for a quarterback. I think there's some validity to that. I think, uh, you know, Coach Belichick would probably love to have someone with a little more experience um, under his belt. Um, and yeah, you got to respect, say what you want about Russell Wilson being a cornball. I mean, it is what it is, but you know, you got to respect the game. You got to respect the way he plays the game. Um, you know, he is a champion and uh, a heck of a quarterback when he's, when he's on his a game. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, a little cheesy at times, little, uh, comes off a little flaky or fake. Sometimes we heard the stories about, you know, him with the office in Denver and kind of the, the prima Donna attitude kind of thing. (laughs) Um, hey, it is what it is. As long as he's getting it done on the field, right? It's just like we talked about with our with our guys. Um, so I don't know. Time will tell. We'll see what happens as the as the soap opera continues to play itself out, right? Clay?
3: Yeah, really, man. And Sean Payton came in there and said, "Listen, buddy, not on my watch. This ain't happening." I don't know what you're talking about having your own office and this and that, but <laughs> we ain't playing that game up here. So it's pretty wild, man. That you know just how quickly things can change, uh, for sure. Let's see, there was a, someone actually made a comment here. Let me uh, let me find it right here, Doug. Doug said, hate to bring him up, but Jair, <laughs> you know it's a bad situation when you hate to bring up one of your best players, right, or at least have been one of your best players in the, in the past. But he said, hate to bring it up, bring him up, but Jair's contract was so front-loaded with guarantee, he doesn't have much coming in right now. I think it was reported he's due $8 million roster bonus on April 1 or June 1st. Um, let's pull it up. I actually screenshotted that as Tim was talking, um, and why it's so important to have a co-host right there, but, uh, let's see, let me pull it full screen so I can actually read it just to give a quick glance again, guys, I don't want to get too far into the weeds with this, but since Doug asked in 2023, the cap hit number is 10.6 million. Okay. That's, that's what he's on the books this year. It jumps to 24.3 million next year. Okay. Now people are saying, well, you just need to get rid of, you need to get rid of him. his dead cap next year is 27.4 million. OK, so with that twenty seven point four million and his cap, hit being twenty four point three. Essentially, what you're saying there is it's going to cost you three million more against the cap if you move on from him next year or this coming year. So now the question becomes and I'm not suggesting they should trade him. what I'm hoping for just to give you guys my take. We haven't talked about it in a while, but it keeps getting brought up. So we'll I'll hit on it when the chat does what I would like to see happen. Is Jair come back and everything proved to be true from Brian Gudikins, Matt LaFleur, and everybody who's commented on it. I'm hoping when they sat down, it's like, Hey, look, here's the punishment, you know, clean slate. And Jair was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I screwed up. And let's move forward as the old Jair, right? That's what I'm hoping happens. Would my money be on it? Based off of the past and other NFL quote unquote superstars, probably not. But I'm holding out hope that that's the case and he returns back to form because he's still young. He's he's 26 years old. Right. So, but essentially seeing that you're going to, you're going to lose three more million against the cap next year, if you part ways with them. And this is very, very, just globally speaking, right? Like you got to take into consideration that um, there are some little loopholes here and there. We're not going to try to turn this podcast into a cap uh, seminar. Right. But you know, with, with the way they move, cap hit around, like being able to take the base salary, being able to take the roster bonuses and converting them to signing bonus. You can tell the way they structured this contract was that 27.4 million next year, or I'm sorry, 24.3 million next year. It was set up with a voidable year in 2027. What that means is that's a placeholder year when he's 30 years old at $2.3 million cap hit. They could have taken some of the 6.6 million base salary, and the 8 million in roster bonus, converted that to signing bonus, sign him a check, and then push that out over the rest of the contract, meaning they could push that out over one, two, three years, including the voidable year, right? For 2025, 2026, and then avoidable the year in 2027. So they set it up. You can tell what their game plan was going in. And, and some people would say, well, why would Jair do that? Because it puts money in his pocket and he's not losing anything long term. It's more guaranteed money to give them the flexibility. That's why it's called cash over cap. You're trading cash for salary cap room. That's why they call it that, okay? And and cash is the money paid to the player. Obviously, cap is just how that money is allocated, how it's bankrolled, how it's accounted, if you will. It's accounting. So um, that's essentially how that sits. So the question becomes, Tim, let's say that the decision was, hey, we're spending you one game. You can come back, finish the year, and then we'll find you another team that you want to be traded to this season. Let's, let's just play devil's advocate, as silly as that sounds. Let's say that's the case. For me to make it worth it, you're going to have to get some pretty good draft capital back to take into consideration you're losing a player who has been great in the past, hasn't been great here recently, but has been great in the past, and you're going to have to eat $3 million in cap. So what do you think, man, just on the surface? How do you think that will play out? What's, what's your best guess?
0: I think right now it's uh, with everything that's going on, how – how uh how sought after is Jair in the trade market right now? Mm. You know, I mean, like you said, man, you see it, you got to say it, you know, you, you go back and look at his last four game saturation. It's not, not anything like we've seen before out of him. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding there. It's a, it's a matter of are there teams out there that are willing to give up significant draft capital to get a corner like Jair? Um, so I'm, I'm holding on to hope that, uh, you know things change after this suspension, and he comes back. Um, You know it's funny not 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 a new man, but the same old Jaw that we know. You know the guy that's still running his mouth, but out there shutting guys down every week. That's who I'd like to see come back. Um, but I think you know a lot of this plays into um, we know how they rework these deals all the time. It's just a matter of yeah, what is Jaw's attitude after this year, and it's all said and done, and what are what are these teams thinking? Um, when it comes to bringing a guy like that in, let alone auctioning off some of their future draft stock to get to get him there right away with that contract, you know.
3: Yeah, Stephen in the chat says, "Pray for discipline in 2024 locker room and a healthy new year." Uh, yeah, as far as the discipline side too, you know, um, it, I, I feel like it's settled down quite a bit, and and I think they sent the message through the locker room. You heard several players speak on it. You heard Quay. Here is what's crazy. Remember all that whole fiasco on Twitter where everybody was trying to say Devondre Campbell was mad at Joe Barry? That was was what his tweet was about. Yeah. And then we've since kind of confirmed, no, he was talking about the fans who were just coming at him like a bunch of idiots on Twitter. Not every fan, just that small group of Packers fans that embarrasses the hell out of every one of us that try to take this thing serious and and try to treat the players with respect. Um, There's been several people speak about it. Quay Walker said it's why he's off social media. Like, yep. So he's kind of confirmed it. Like, yeah, I, I can't. you can't focus on what other people are saying and what they think they know or don't know. Um, Larry McCarron, former center for the Packers, right, came out and talked about it and basically said it on the last video. We were going to show it on the show, and I, it'd be hard for me to find it. Now you can find it on Packers.com. It was one of his breakdowns, one of his last two or three breakdowns. He comes out and talks about Devondre Campbell being upset with social media and how fans attacked him. Right. So they're all confirming what he meant. Now, there's still people that want to la, 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 la. Right. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. He hates Joe Barry and, and try to put it on that. But when you hear A.J. Dillon respond to the Jair Alexander thing, look, I'm just going to be go out and be a leader for my teammates and be a leader. To me, it wasn't a direct shot at Jai, but it was just kind of like the team and my coaches are what's most important to me. Right. Tucker Craft had his statement. Go out there and lay it on the line. You owe it to your teammates. You owe it to your coaches. You want to prove your coaches right, essentially, is what he's saying. I think the message was sent across the locker room. Now, the question is, how's Jair going to respond, right? That's what it's going to come down to. So I hope he responds in a positive way and returns to old form. You know, we haven't seen him like that in quite some time. I hope that happens. I'd like to uh,
0: see him not pay seven hundred grand every year just to skip preseason workout. Program. See that's
3: the thing too that people brushed under the rug. It's like, oh, they're he, he's protesting the coaching staff because he knows they're horrible and this and that. And it's like, bro, he's skipping he's skipping the off season stuff. He's doing you know not everything but a good chunk of it. Like at some point, are we not going to hold him accountable as a fan base? And that doesn't mean you go roast him, but it's like when I say hold him accountable, I don't even mean go say something to him. I'm simply saying let's stop blaming the coaches for this. Like this right. is one man's decision, right? Uh, I don't know. It's just something that. It's, I think it's worth having a conversation over for sure. Omar in the chat says, Jair doing what he needs to be doing, uh, being a cricket right now. That's a positive, I'd say. Completely agree. It'd be real easy for him to come out on social media even though he was suspended, right? If he didn't care whether they were going to cut him loose, trade him or whatever, he's already been suspended and cost him a game check to the best of my knowledge um, for conduct detrimental to the team. Um, you know, he could come out and put a social media post out and like miss something or, you know, he, he, he could do something, you know, kind of encrypted in a tweet like all these athletes do nowadays. But we haven't seen that. So, Omer, I think you make a great point. The fact that he's been quiet about it, you know, um, says a lot. It really does. It says a whole lot. So um, let's see here. Doug in the chat. Actually, Blake Berry here said, uh, big drops from Reed that come, in, come to mind or dropped uh, deep crosser on Thanksgiving and the one that was ripped away for a pick on a seam route against the Vikings. I remember the one against the Vikings, Blake. Should have caught it. No doubt about it. Hit his hands. Shouldn't be ripped out. But he had to turn all the way around to catch that ball rather than in stride. That's a perfect example of where both of those opinions can be true. Bad ball, bad execution, holding on to the ball, right? Uh mm-hmm. but I feel like that stuff settled down. It feels like it's been forever, right? Since we're we've seen uh uh these young receivers and we go, high ah, we yeah, they're young. I mean, they Tay Wicks watching his routes, whoo boy, it's just a lot of fun. Jaden Reed's toughness. Um, it's I think it's a bright future for sure. Uh let's see here. Doug in the chat says my only concern about love is he throws the occasional hospital ball, two long balls to uh Dobbs and the T D to Wicks, but that's the only thing with the kid. Yeah, he's just still kind of zoning that in zero and in that accuracy. And you're right, man. There have been plenty of hospital balls for sure. Um that's just part of wild. the game though,
0: right? Sometimes you have to throw it. If you need a first down, you need a first down. And you gotta, right. you gotta thread the needle and trust your yeah. guy to brace for impact and hang on to it. It just is what it is.
3: <laughs> and we're sitting on the couch going, he could throw that better. And he's right. got a 320-pound defensive tackle bearing down in his face, right? So you gotta always gotta put that into perspective for sure. O'Mare in the chat said Packers win 24 to 21 with a walk-off field goal by Carlson. As time runs out, boy, that would be a lot of fun. Wouldn't that be a way to ring in the new year? And since you kind of brung it up there, Omer, let's do it. Let's hit the video real quick. Packers Twitter put this video out. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh let's hit it and see what you guys think. That. Many, there were several fans that were bashing the media team for putting this together. I thought it was well done. I guess they just wanted a big hop up video for just the Packers. I think they do a good job kind of telling, you know, kind of setting the rivalry up. And listen, it's in Minnesota. It's gonna be a tough game. That dome gets loud, right? Um, I don't know. I thought they did a good job, but here's the uh kind of the preview video, if you will. That Packers.com. You can find it for free on Packers Twitter. You can find it on their YouTube channel, all over the place. Make sure you go like it, share it, all that stuff. But here we go. Tim, I thought they did a good job, man.
0: What do you think about that, bro? What, man, people got a problem with everything nowadays? What what was wrong with that, dude? I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. I thought I, it I so. thought it was cool. Yeah. Short and to the point, a little dramatic music, a lot of cut shots, you know, looks yeah. like a like a John Wick movie. Yeah,
3: he you know, incorporated cool. the skull, the skull chant, right? Which oh, god, that is so I, I gotta be real, man.
0: Worst, I hate it so, I hate it so worse. much. What's that? It's just the worst thing in sports, honestly. <laughs> I
3: hilarious. was gonna go the opposite I was gonna say I hate it so much. I like it. I oh. love the. There's nothing better than seeing them hit that skull chant, and then you go down the yard for sixty five, or go down the field for sixty five yards, score, and just shut them up. It's like it's like the go pack go chant and all that. It's just I like how teams kind of create their own identity. The Vikings, hands down, though, are my most uh, disliked franchise, um, and it's tough because I got a nephew who's a big Vikings fan. He's just a great kid, loves football, going to be a great football player. And uh it's just it, – it's – I have those memories of how arrogant they were when Brett went to the Vikings. I'll never forget that one super fan for the Vikings saying, it was so great seeing the Packers lose their God. It's like, first of all, nobody thinks Brett Favre is a God in Green Bay. Never have, never will. We, we As a matter of fact, Vince Lombardi set that, <laughs> set that tone early. He said, what, right. God, family, and then the Green Bay Packers. But – it was just like they—they they were just waiting for an opportunity to do that, right? And the fact that he threw that interception in that purple jersey in the NFC Championship against the Saints just bless my soul. So, they're—they're <laughs> um, they're hands down my most hated franchise, but yeah, it is what it is. So, uh, all right, let's do this, Tim. Do you do you want to talk briefly? Do you got you got ten more minutes in you? I sure do. All right, let's do this. You were you you'd be dying over there, and you wouldn't say no, man. Right. So, the big conversation, the big topic, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. People brought it up earlier in the in the chat. Let's see if I can get back to it uh, right here. Jeff said Clayton only one guy can report eligible on a play question mark. So he obviously is referring to the Detroit Lions situation, right? I don't put a whole lot of focus into the rules. Okay. I'm not the guy to ask about the rules. Right. Um, The reason being is Tim, there's been many times a play has happened and it's like, okay, this one's getting overturned. There's obvious. I mean, this is so obvious and the officials don't overturn it and you put all that mental energy in like, you just got to be ready to overcome any mistakes the officials make. It's like what I say about the government, right? Like with our government, you got to out, you got to out earn our government's mistakes. They've been making mistakes since the beginning of our government, right? Mm -hmm. So when you come to the conclusion that, okay, they're going to screw this up, what can I do to overcome it? things become a little bit easier. So as a fan, it's the same type of thing with the officials. So I don't spend a lot of time studying the rules, but we've got a lot of people that have been talking about this. Hopefully you can hear it. I can't make it any louder. So be ready to turn your monitors up, your phones up. Hopefully you can turn it up enough to hear, but this was Ryan Clark talking about it originally. And then we'll hit a couple more videos as well. Just kind of setting the stage for what happened as far as uh, last night uh, with the, did they report eligible? Did they not report eligible? all those conversations that took place. It was, uh, it was definitely an interesting topic, but let's go to Ryan Clark first and and he'll kind of set the stage for you. Essentially you can't have two guys on the line of scrimmage, right? Um, Pretty much outside of the tackles. And I originally thought, okay, well, whether he didn't report or not as eligible, it was still an illegal formation. But in all honesty, if he reported as eligible, it wouldn't have been an illegal formation. So that's why I deleted the tweet I put up in real time going, wait a minute, it's still a penalty. But again, I'm not a penalty expert. But here's Ryan Clark talking about it. He gets pretty pretty, uh, pretty uh, riled up on it, too.
2: Well, Michael, I can't explain to you what happened with the official. Because- Because it seems that decker does run over to the official but he's looking at dan skipper but i'm about to show you why it makes no sense and all we have to focus is on two duos here's the first duo we're going to have panay sue and dan skipper i want to show you where dan skipper is lined up he's right here by rule he cannot be eligible whether he reports or not he has Panay Su on the line of scrimmage outside of him. He also has a receiver to the top of the field that is lined up, Ra St. Brown, is lined up outside of him as well. So by rule, he cannot be eligible. Now let's look at the bottom of the field. When we look here, right, we have Taylor Decker on the line of scrimmage, which means that if Josh Reynolds is not going to cover him up and he's going to have an opportunity to be eligible, Josh has to be off of the ball. Any other lineup, if Taylor Decker is not eligible and not going out for a pass, Josh Reynolds will be all the way up on the line of scrimmage, almost like we saw Kadarius Toney when he was on sides. Now, what you're going to get out of this, you're going to get a crosser here, and after the play-action pass, Taylor Decker is going to block, 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 and release. It was Perfect. The Detroit Lions did everything they needed to do, from Dan Campbell telling them what the trick play would be early to Decker reporting to having everyone lined up in a position. You need to be lined up to win. Now you think to yourself, "There's
3: okay." So Mm -hmm. that was kind of him setting the stage for you guys, right? Now let's bounce back, people. Here's here's essentially what happened. You had multiple offensive linemen walk over to the official, right? And they did it intentionally because they didn't want – the whole point of reporting as eligible is you within the rules, you've got to let the defense know, here is the eligible receiver, okay? You can't pretend like he's going to block. You've got to let us know up front, okay, he is going to be eligible or else he can't catch the ball and it's, it's an ineligible receiver, right? So three offensive linemen walk to the officials. And Decker, number 68, says to the official – Uh, This is the Detroit Lions take on it. He says to the official, I'm reporting eligible. And he said the official acknowledged it. The official said number 70 said it. Okay, so the only blame I put on Detroit is you tried to get cute. You tried to get manipulative. You tried to uh, convince – you wanted to hide this from the defense as much as possible. Hey, look, that's gamesmanship, right? I got you. As a Lions fan, I'd be going, hey, good on them. It backfired, right? Now, here's the problem I have with it. When I went to bed last night, that's how I felt when I woke up and I seen this video emerge, you can clearly see Decker report as eligible. Watch this right here.
0: Decker also,
3: not not only did he report as eligible, there's zoomed in camera where you can see the ref's eyes look at Decker, right, and he shakes his head yes, like, okay, I've got you. So they can't lie and say no, and, and, and this is officially, this is what the official did to the official came out and said 70 reported as eligible. And then you look at the tape and you can see Decker report as eligible. Number 70 said, I did not report as eligible. I didn't say, he said, his exact words were, I didn't say a damn word is what he said. So we have on camera the official actually lying about it. But watch this right here. I I don't know if they'll zoom in as far. You can find the clip on Twitter. You can zoom in and see it. But let's see if this will, hopefully the connection will hold up where you can watch it. But watch this.
0: Walks over to the official and you only do that if you're, telling the official you're reporting and is ineligible and so i don't know if, if if he just didn't hear that or what they said that only dan skipper reported but the evidence is is on the tape so it's hard for you know
1: initially i thought well maybe he didn't report because he's already in the game but hard to believe that he didn't here Here, is the call that was made after the flags were thrown
2: what else could it be
1: So, the call is, so, there, I mean, that's it right there. You heard illegal touch by 68, did not report as eligible. So it's right there, yet you look at the replay and you watch Taylor Decker walk up to Brad Allen and say something. It would be odd for him to do that. Typically, he'd be in the huddle getting ready for the next play. I don't think Brad Allen ever recognized Decker. I think he sees number 70 come off the bench, and he follows him all the way into the line of scrimmage. He knows he's gonna have an ineligible come in and play eligible. I think Decker tries to get to him and say, hey, me too, I'm with the ineligibles on this play. My guess is based on where Brad is looking and the announcement, there's no acknowledgement. Well, you see that golf is trying to get Decker to go over and and he
3: does. My guess is, is that knowing how these things work. All right, so Drew D says something in the chat here. He says, but he's covered up anyways. That was my original tweet too, Drew. But what they're pointing out is, if 70 didn't report as eligible, then that's off the table. He can't be a receiver anyway, and he wasn't a receiver in the play, right? That's why I was like, okay, so they made two two mistakes on one play. No, they actually had it right. This isn't my opinion. This is former NFL player's opinion. This is Hall of Famer Troy Aikman's opinion. This is Dan Orlovsky, former NFL player's opinion. Like we said, Ryan Clark hitting on it. Now, the, the way that this gets really, really deep, Tim, is anytime that this happens and a coach knows, okay, this may be an issue, he will go to the officials early and say, hey, look, remember that play we talked about? I'm going to run it. So be ready. Number 68 is going to be eligible. Okay. And and this that's how it's set up. That's how you set the set the stage for this play to make sure this mistake doesn't happen. It still happened. Watch Dan Campbell here on the sideline. Somebody caught this. This actually dropped. Uh, I can't remember who shared it on Twitter, but they dropped this video, and you can see Dan Campbell looking at the official saying, "I told you. I specifically told you." Watch this. Look at him. Look at the fifty. Right here. Watch. Listen, you guys know I'm not a Lions fan. I am not a Lions fan at all, right? Uh, matter of fact, I've I've enjoyed making fun of them this year quite a bit too, because they're that video I shared. Man, they were in total meltdown last night, and they're they're a fan base that's divided too. Some hate golf, some don't. Some think they should play aggressive on third and long. Some play, think they should play soft. It's it's really funny listening to them, but um, that's a bad look on the NFL, Tim. It's such a bad look, man. Are you seeing it any different than I'm seeing it there? Because again, I was going in going, this is on the lines. And then after seeing all the the how everything transpired, it's like it's pretty obvious the coach told the official this. 68 walks over and declares, you guys got to find the video where they zoom in. You can see the official look 68 right in the eye and go, and 68 is the only person talking. Now, if there's anything they did that was a mistake, it was trying to. Disguise it, sending the multiple offensive linemen over, right? And you guys know where I stand there. I'm not trying to apologize or defend the lines. But if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's just my mindset. Like I want I want to do everything I can possibly do to give my team an advantage so I understand the mindset behind it. There's nothing in the rules that said multiple people, people can't walk up to the official. But the official, it seems like he got it wrong. Anyway, Tim, do you disagree, man? How do you see this, Buck?
0: I just think you don't put yourself in a situation where you need to depend on the official um, in a ball game, yep. period, point blank. That's what's on Detroit. You're, you're coming down to try and get two to win a ball game. You you take care of your business on the field. It doesn't come down to this. I I would never put my faith in an NFL official for anything, not even to you know, go grab me a beer or something. We'd probably get a bunch of excuses as to why they couldn't do it. Um, and this league clearly has an officiating problem. Um, they're not interested in fixing it. Um, you, you, you can tell, Hey, right. you can tell, take a look at how this league silences dissent when it comes to speaking up about this. I can't wait to see who's going to get fined now for talking about your holier than thou NFL officials that, you know, you pay peanuts and give them all part-time jobs. And, you know, wonder why these guys are, you know, ill-equipped and ill-prepared. There's an official, uh, officiating issue in the NFL. And it's, and it's been like this for a long time. You know, we, I don't need to remind Packer fans of the fail Mary. So um, <laughs> Why you be like that? <laughs> I'm just, Hey, I'm saying we were talking about Russ earlier. The only guy in NFL history to throw a game winning interception. You know, that's this, this is the same NFL guys that gave us, you know, replacement refs and all of this stuff. Um, the officials have to do better. Well, they need to be put in a position to do better um, by this league. And uh, if that's, if you're going to, if you're going to, um you know, make these rules the way they are where, yeah, I got to report eligible. Well then if I do, what is, what is the recourse for the team? You know, how do we know? Like, cause it looks to me like the officials just lied. Oh no, he didn't report. That was that other, that other big guy behind me that I had my back to and was walking away from. And it's like, you're, you're literally making this crap up as you go. And it it makes you wonder what is the agenda was the agenda to give the, the cowgirls a win at home on, on Jimmy Johnson night was it to tilt the balance of the NFC East in the playoff picture. What you know, whenever I look at a crime, who stands to who stands to gain, right? Who gains the most out of this scenario? Clearly the Dallas Cowboys and clearly they're looking at the Detroit Lions like, "Oh, you guys won your division. You're in. What are you worried about?" And it's like, "Hey, you saw Dan Campbell. I mean, I, I was at home flabbergasted why he didn't trot out his kicker after two or three of these <laughs> busted attempts. He was trying to win a ball game, and it looked like the NFL right. wasn't having that, man. That's just, I'm just going to be honest. You know We're not going to go as far as to say that, that R word, but uh, this doesn't help <laughs> when you see stuff like this.
3: Yeah, and Mike Hebring, I apologize, man. I was trying to find your comment. I thought of marked it, and I didn't. Mike said something to the effect of, hey, look. Maybe not have to have the game come down to a play where you have to try to run a trick play, right? I I agree with that sentiment. Like I understand what you're talking about, but they ran it to perfection. It worked. Like yep. I'm not a Lions fan, you know this, but and initially I'm making fun of them, I, and I still am to be honest with you, because it's a division rival. That's what we do, right? Yep. But it, if you were if this happened to the Packers, we know how we're reacting, right, Tim. We're pissed right now, <laughs> so you got to call the spade a spade, right? Um, oh, that's just kind of how I see it. But, you have uh, to
0: win in spite of the officials. You know, hey, you've got to hey. beat your opponent. You got to beat these these refs too, man. You got to make them irrelevant.
3: Yep. Back to the government comment. Both. Democrat, Republican, make up a third party. I don't care. You have to out earn the mistakes that our government makes. (laughs) That's that's a fact. Uh, That's how you see any governing body. You know, Uh, it was actually Thomas Paine that wrote, you know, uh, essentially I'm paraphrasing, but it's when the people are too selfish to take care of one another. Government is a necessary evil when when you can't have athletes be honest, with each other during the game then you got to have an officiating crew. And unfortunately it creates these blurred line, these, these gray areas, right. Where it's like, it's just, I, I want to say with a hundred percent certainty, there is no aspect of the game that's rigged. Right. And I said the R word, Tim, I said, it. <laughs> um, but I'm not at a hundred percent. I think occasionally stuff may slip in and it's like, when you when you refuse to hire officiating crews full-time to put this stuff to bed and give them the best of the best to make sure this gets done, so you, know, you notice that some of the best officials aren't in the officiating office now. You know why? Because these TV crews, these TV companies, Fox, CBS, they've hired them away by offering them more money than the NFL. And the NFL is this huge, huge, like you can afford to pay for the best of the best. Why not do that and put this to bed? That's why it's hard for me to defend them now. Like going, Oh no, there's no way it's raised. Like you aren't making this any easier on yourself. NFL pay the officials, make them full time. Some people are going, what do you mean full time? They're not full time employees guys. Like in, in most cases, from what I understand, maybe every case, these officials have to go get jobs in the off season because that's how little the NFL pays them. And it kind of feels like they want it like that. And I just don't understand that, man. If it's, If it's the only thing bringing up the opportunity for people to question the integrity of your sport, why would you not put that to bed, man? Like, take take old Yeller out behind the barn and put him down. It's time. You know what I mean? Like, let's make sure this doesn't continue to happen. That's That's the part I really don't understand. Doug in the chat said, My guess the Lions had three guys walk to the official, 68 verbally reported, but the official got the number wrong and said it was 70. And then, like, Tim pointed out, Doug, he just doubled down on it. That's where the mistake was made listen, nobody expects anybody on this earth to be perfect. Right. But we do expect each other to be honest. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you made a mistake, Hey, look, man, I screwed up. We say, if you see it, you got to say it. I see myself screw up. Let me tell you, I messed up. May cost him his job, but if you don't have integrity in the world, man, you ain't got nothing. You really don't. Um, so, uh, yeah, I know, like, like I said, some people are like, well, okay, you need to actually, uh, you actually need to uh, just kick the extra point there. I agree with that. Once once you got the penalty, right, on the first attempt, kick the extra point. Yeah, that was the best play you had in the bag, right? And obviously they went for it again. I think, did they have another penalty, Tim? Am I thinking right? There was another legit penalty or something. It seemed like they tried three times. They got it twice and then yeah.
0: they got Micah yeah. Parsons to jump. Um, That's what it was. I won. Yeah.
3: So after that second time, right, and it fell incomplete, you got in the jump or whatever, just kick the extra point, man. You know, I understand
0: over. Dan Campbell's approach, though he's trying to he's trying to uh, you know Lombardi school here. We'll run it and let's get the hell out of here, right? Like they're yeah. on the road grinder. They, they did not want to go to overtime against Dallas, and uh, that was evident by the the play calls. But yeah, um, it's just
3: unfortunate, man. It really is. Like, like Lucky says here in the chat. Hello, hello. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Right. All time moment there. All time moment. Yeah. And that's what Dan Campbell was. Saying. You know what? That's why his players love him. His players are like he believes in us. You know, it is what it is. We hate the lines. Right. We can hate the lines and still appreciate the fact that Dan Campbell, we got to acknowledge, guys, he's a pretty good coach. Like I know there's still some people that don't believe that I'm I respectfully disagree. I think he is a good coach. And it bothers me that he's up there in Detroit, and I hope they fall flat on their face and they get rid of him, and then we hire him as a tight ends coach or something. Yeah, Drew D in the chat says, "Actually, you're right. 68 isn't covered up. Uh, The wide receiver is off the line. That's what I got wrong too, Drew, because I was taking into consideration 70 was the one that reported eligible. You know, so when you look at the whole thing globally, it happens so fast. That's why I deleted my tweet because I was completely inaccurate in that. Like, I don't want to spread false information on Twitter, but reacting to it in real time, I'm like, cause the official actually pointed that out 70 reported. So not only was he ineligible 68 ineligible, but also it was an illegal formation. He pointed that out. Well, not if 68 reports as eligible. Right. So, um, yeah, if 68 doesn't report as eligible, then that receiver on the opposite side has got to be on the line. If I understand correctly, right. Cause got to have someone on the line, both sides of the ball. So again, I'm not a rules expert. I could have had that part wrong but that's the way I understand it. So, uh, But, yeah, it's a, a pretty good conversation. I expected expect it to go that long, but people were talking about it, so I thought, why not hit it? Um, we'll end it with this, though. I, there's a bunch of chats in here, man. I, I apologize, guys. We just ran out of time. I want to be able to get to them. I always try to get to the Super Chats for sure, but it's uh, it's so difficult. I have 40 unread messages as we were talking about that, Tim. But it's a good thing. The show's growing. It's just uh, part of me wants wants it to stay a certain size just so we don't – you know what I mean? We don't miss on this stuff, but I'm sure it was a great conversation. So, um, all right. Omer earlier, I had it marked. He said, we also need to run Aaron Jones 14 to 1. When he, when he had, we're 14 to 1 when he has 20 touches plus. The best way to win this game is with time of possession. Keep Barry's D off the field is the key to victory. Jen Wright agrees, said, Sunday night football equals showtime with a Y. You know, that's 33 himself. We might get us a heavy dose of, uh, Aaron Jones to not Tim, but parting thoughts, man. You muscle through. This is Tim's flu game. Appreciate you, buddy. What you got here? Parting thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think we got to run the ball on offense. I preach that all the time. Oh, real quick, real quick on the NFL officiating fiasco. All right. I'm not a yeah, rules man. expert either, but I do know it's in the fine print in the rule book that the commissioner's office has the right to change the outcome of games. So that in and of itself tells you everything you need to know about this league and their officials. Okay. It's smoke and mirrors. They're not interested in correcting any of this. It's about control. And that's as far as I'll go down the conspiracy rabbit hole. Because it's really not a conspiracy. It's a fact. You can look it up. The commissioner's office can literally change the final score of a game or the outcome of a game. And I wonder if that's what we saw last night happening in real time. I always talk to you about the officials and what they're wearing in their ear. Who's talking to them? You've got officials huddled up on the field. They all got earpieces. They're all standing two feet in front of them. Somebody from New York talking to the refs makes you wonder cue the conspiracy music for next time. Um, But I do think, uh, you know, this game is going to come down to what we do and how we execute. And we have to win in spite of the officials. I've always said that. You got to beat your opponent and you got to beat those refs too. You know, you got to play as fundamentally sound as you can. Try not to make these stupid mistakes. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. And yeah, we have to, you know, this offense has got to have some semblance of a run game so we can, uh, have Jay Money lighten them up with the RPOs and the the play action darts and those kind of things. So um, I think there's a logic, uh, good logic to the the sentiment that, hey, try and keep our defense off the field, you know, long sustained drives by uh, Jay Money in the offense. I'm I'm with that. But I also think that um, we're going to get a performance out of our defense today. Um, I think the young guys are really going to step up, and I'm looking forward to watching uh, the defensive side of the ball too. Because if RD shows up tonight for sure, we're, we're leaving with a dub. I fully believe that. So, go pack go.
3: Doug says, "Tim, way to power up, get better, sir." Appreciate you, Tim. Greg in the chat says, "No defender of the league offices here, but is it possible that keeping the refs as hired guns keeps the NFL refs relationship from becoming more corrupt?" I didn't look at it from that angle. Could be Greg. Could be. Um I just want everybody to be honest. I I I try to pretend like I live in a world where everybody's honest and like you're pointing out, just not the case. And uh I don't know if you guys watch a lot, as many documentaries as I do but there's been several different mafia documentaries. I, I I love reading up on the Irish mob, the Italian mob, all that. Um been several people come forward and say, "No, nah, we've we've had our hands in the NFL for a while." And it and it they they haven't gone as far as saying, "Hey, it's continuing to happen," although it would lead you to believe that. It's really easy to shave points, right? I just don't um I don't know if it's as as cut and dry as some people try to make it out to be, to be rigged. I'm going to continue to be naive and keep myself convinced that this stuff doesn't happen behind the scenes (laughs) just because I love the sport so much. Um, I'm going to plead ignorance here, so (laughs) there you go. Uh, Trevor Anderson in the chat said, Love has the day we've been waiting for tonight with four-plus touchdowns and the Packers roll 42-31 to because our defense still can't stop anything. (laughs) Laughing emoji. There you go. There you go. Hey, I would take it. I would take a 42 to 31 and I I feel comfortable saying the large majority of the fan base would be okay with that too, because it would still justify firing Joe Barry and you come out with a dub, right? I would rather see the defense stand up and create some momentum going into next year too. I still think Barry's gone, uh, but I want to see the defense be able to kind of have something to build off of going into the next year as well Um, in a perfect world, of course. But all right, guys, we're out of here. I appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Uh, you guys made this show like you always do. Tim, thank you for muscling through, buddy. Um, the plan is to be back tonight for a pregame show. Tim, I'm I'm going to suspend you for one show so you can actually rest up, <laughs> although I wouldn't be surprised if you still try to sneak in here. But yeah. do a pregame show uh, roughly an hour and a half before the game. We'll take you up to 30 minutes to kick off, get you the actives, inactives, all that good stuff, and just have a little fun, a little pregame festivity before the game gets kicked off. Uh, Hopefully we can do a post game show. It may be a really quick one, but you guys know it's New Year's Eve and my wife will divorce me if I'm not hanging out with her as we ring in the new year and I'm on here talking football like I do 24 seven. So uh, we'll do the best we can in that regard, but appreciate you guys hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back up.